Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We have looked at serial murderers in the past. And quick disclaimer, this episode may not be for everyone. Uh, It does now have a bit of a, I wouldn't say a happy ending, but it does have a resolution. When did we do this one, guys? This is May 2016. Okay. Yeah, this is before um, the Golden State Killer was caught. D'Angelo, yeah. So, uh, as as you know, we recently did an episode on serial killers who remain on the loose in 2022. We believe this stuff is important. We know it can be disturbing and, again, maybe not appropriate for all our fellow audience members. But we are happy to report that justice was served and it's fascinating at least for for us to look back at our attempt to assemble the facts before this monster was apprehended from ufos to psychic powers and government conspiracies history is riddled with unexplained events you can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know Hello, 
Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. And my name is Ben. You are you, regardless of which name you happen to be wearing today. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This week, we're looking into some more true crime. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, across the U.S., across the globe, uh, you had asked us to cover some more true crime stuff. And uh, for our longtime listeners, you're familiar with the earlier episodes we've done on serial killers. Yeah, we've done some on serial killers who've never been caught on mm-hmm. things, uh, kind of specific uh, ranges of things like the Ser- Highway of Tears. Yeah, or the uh, Hand of Death mm-hmm. the serial killer cult. Uh, we've also looked at possibilities of serial murders associated with cults. Uh, but this will be our first episode about a specific serial killer. If you would like to hear the early episodes we did, check them out on our website, uh, stuff they don't want you to know dot com. But remember, you don't have to listen to those before you check out this one. So you may have heard of a man named Richard Ramirez. He was known as the Night Stalker. And uh, over the course of the 80s, he essentially reigned terror upon Los Angeles and San Francisco. Uh, there was a series of break-ins that he that he perpetrated. Uh, he raped people. He murdered people. And thankfully, he was apprehended in August of 1985 and ended up dying on death row in 2013 due to B-cell lymphoma. But a decade before that, there was another killer in California, a serial rapist and killer known as the East Area Rapist, or also known as the original Night Stalker, or to some, the Golden State Killer, a man of many titles. Um, this killer was suspected in at least 50 different rapes, homicides, uh, from 1976 to 1986. His methods uh, were professional, very, very calculated, methodical killer. And... In the beginning, investigators believed that either these rapes were unrelated or that there were two different killers operating. Uh, however, DNA evidence later used uh, proves that the East Area Rapist and the original Night Stalker were not two different people. They were the same individual in an increasingly escalating, uh, increasingly escalating pattern of violence uh, while likely accompanied by an increasing increasingly dysfunctional cognitive state. Yeah, there there's even a period that occurred that that existed before the East Area rapist was found mm-hmm. that that we'll, we'll get to in the future that may have been the same person where uh, they were just burglarizing houses. Right, the Visalia ransacker. So yeah, what what we're looking at here is a an escalating series of events, like like you said, Ben. And let's look at the timeline here. So uh, a lot of the resources we're pulling from are from a website called EAR-ONS.com, which is set up to which is set up to comb history and public records for any clues or leads to this killer. We know that on June 18th, 1976, at 4 a.m., an assailant uh, attacked and sexually assaulted a woman in Rancho Cordova, California. This was the first recorded instance of what were originally known as the East Area Rapist Crimes, but emphasis on recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are earlier possible burglaries attributed to the same character, uh, as you had mentioned, Matt, since the guy is believed to have started out as a burglar graduating to rape or uh, to 
if we want to follow the rabbit hole a little bit further, then it may have started as a peeping Tom thing, too. Exactly. Now, the first attempted murder that is attributed to the original Night Stalker occurred on October 1st, 1979 in Goleta, California. The assailant breaks in, ties up a couple. He's walking around the house chanting, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. Uh, however, momentarily, when he was, I guess, distracted or away from them, uh, the couple was able to escape. Uh, the man went, think, and hid, was able to escape and hid, hide in the backyard. The woman screamed. Her neighbors were alerted. Um, thankfully, her neighbor was an FBI agent. Uh, that always helps. Uh, the intruder then fled and a neighbor pursued on a bike. He ended up ditching the bike and a knife and he, he went through backyards to, to just get away from the situation and he wasn't apprehended. So the first confirmed murder occurred on December the 30th of the same exact year, also in Goleta. And then May 4th, 1986 was the last known murder, almost 30 years ago to the day uh, that we are recording this. Right. We're recording this on May 3rd, 2016. So uh, in just a few hours, it will have been three decades. So in 1996, DNA testing confirmed that the East Area Rapist and the original uh, Night Stalker were the same individual. But at this point, numerous other incidents are suspected to be the work of this uh, this individual, but there haven't been any real leads for a long time. Despite that, there has been a recent resurgence of interest in the case. Both professional investigators and Internet sleuths are combing through the available information, looking for any lead that could become a breakthrough and possibly get some answers for the public and some closure for the survivors. And it, it, like you said, it ranges widely the people who are getting back into this case. A, a retired cold case investigator, Gary Kitzman, he went back to work in 2010 after retiring the previous year because he just wanted to focus on this case and this case alone. Uh, he's been going over all of the collected evidence from the 70s and 80s, uh, the, the times that we're talking about here, and uh, he's trying to close this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then on the other end, you've got the subreddit Unresolved Mysteries, which is keeping this case alive as well. You, if you search through that subreddit, you can find endless threads of people asking questions and posting links and, and trying to make connections between both the East Area Rapist and, I mean, well, I guess it's the same guy, but mm-hmm. trying to, to make connections between who this possibly could be. Right. And connecting other isolated incidents or seemingly unrelated incidents uh, like the Visalia ransacker. Mm -hmm. Another huge contributor to the story of the original Night Stalker was Michelle McNamara. Uh, She's the creator of the True Crime Diary, which was a blog she made. She's also a contributor to the L.A. magazine. Uh, Unfortunately, she died last month. She's also the wife of Patton Oswalt a comedian. Um, her article in the footsteps of a killer from 2013 is a must read for anybody who's kind of gotten lost down an internet rabbit hole, looking into this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. especially if you're interested in this case in particular. And the list of victims, just the proven confirmed victims that we know of is too long to run through here. We're talking about uh, 50 plus uh, rape victims, 10 plus homicides minimum. Uh, you can see, however, a full list of both suspected and confirmed victim names, along with details of each crime at the website that we mentioned earlier. And what you'll notice if you sort through this the way many people have is that there are some commonalities in the uh, in the 
demographics of the victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, this individual's primary targets were middle class and upper class neighborhoods, usually homes that were in some sort of public area near schools, parks, creeks, you know, open areas mm-hmm. were, were very prime. The suspect sometimes impersonated a realtor, uh, a building inspector, or some other professional, maybe even a prospective home buyer. Right, and we know some of this not just because of discoveries of the victims in their location or the evidence at the house or scene of the crime. We know this because of the people who survived and described uh, some of these traits. That's how we also know a profile of this killer, which we'll get into uh, later. But first, before we continue tracing the history of this uh, lesser-known murderer, we'll pause for a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. This person, the East Area Rapist, the original Night Stalker, the Golden State Killer, this guy is still out there somewhere. Maybe. At least he's never been caught. He's certainly not been caught for these crimes. Uh, he's, you know, he's been linked to these other serial burglaries, yet unproven. We have difficulty knowing what, what other uh, sexual assaults or murders he may have been involved in, but there is no shortage of clues and speculation. So one of the first ideas is the idea of the single suspect. Yeah, and, th- and this just states that, uh, you know, all of the rapes, all the attacks and murders can be attributed to a single human being, and that person is the original Night Stalker. Uh, mm. This one, this one seems to be backed up by the DNA evidence that linked the two uh, the two together linked mm-hmm. it to one person. Uh, you know, who's to say about some of the other things that happened prior to the East right. Harry rapist, uh, attacks, but uh, this one seems to have the most evidence behind it. We should probably add that a lot of cold cases like this remain cold because of the fact that DNA evidence was not a thing. Right. That's absolutely true. In this case, however, DNA evidence is somewhat of a thing and it still existed. I think, uh, in some of the latest stuff, they're going back and, and looking at some of the evidence that they've got. The DNA evidence in this case may be relevant because they do have a full profile. Oh, I guess what I mean is the technology has just gotten so much better. So it's easier to go back and look at things they may have collected in these cases that at the time they didn't know what the hell to do with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then also just collection methods and methodology have vastly improved. So this, there's, there's another theory here at two, the idea that there are multiple East area rapist that uh there were two individuals committing these crimes two men uh working together or competing in some sort of twisted way what what's strange about that is if there were a competition if there were multiple killers they would almost certainly never meet because mm-hmm. generally these folks uh unless there is an ideological link right yeah, yeah. And unless there's an ideological thing, they're going to be working on their own. Not only that, you'd think they would one up each other and there wouldn't necessarily be as much of us of a, a continuous pattern. There would be one person trying to outdo the other if it was some sort of competition. Right, right. It's important to stay here. This is specifically about the East Area rapist attacks and not uh, not the original Night Stalker murders. murders. Yeah, good point. The thing about that is that if there are multiple similar murders or assaults or robberies and there's evidence that they couldn't have all been committed by one person. Historically, it's much more likely that there's a copycat criminal who's taking advantage of the current focus on this one person or in some cases uh, idolizes them, you know? Yeah, or just, yeah, I, like you said, using the opportunity to do something that they usually wouldn't because they'll, they'll be thrown off, the investigators will be thrown off the trail. Mm-hmm. And so let's 
let's look at the escalation. It's fairly certain now that this was a single individual, but let's look at the escalation or evolution of this person from, I guess, uh, just a, a crappy, disturbed schmuck to uh, a violent and deranged killer. And I know it might sound, I know it might sound rude to just like say this is a pathetic person. But if they're alive and they're listening, I want them to hear me say that. So how did this escalate? That's cold, man. Let's talk a little bit about the Visalia Ransacker um, and the escalation that took place there. I was a little confused about this myself. This, in theory, is the idea that um, this was this killer sort of learning and starting to uh, move towards more of a violent um, trajectory, let's mm-hmm. say. Okay. So. An unidentified serial burglar broke into numerous houses in the Visalia, California area from April of 74 to December of 75. Um, this person would destroy the interior of the home and just, you know, steal little knickknacks here and there. Like the objects of sentimental value. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but it didn't really feel like it was about getting big ticket items that might mm-hmm. be resold. It was much more of an impulsive kind of act. Yeah, yeah. So it's postulated that this ransacker, who was never officially caught, uh, became the East Area Rapist after the attempted kidnapping of uh, a young lady named Beth Snelling on September the 11th, 1975. Yeah, that was the the final escalation, at least that's reported from this ransacker, when he tried to he tried to abduct a woman uh, whose father was also in the house. Mm-hmm. And then about, uh, let's see, that's about a year later then that the first, uh, East Area rapist, uh, recorded attempted rape or recorded rape, excuse mm-hmm. me, occurs. That's assault occurs. So it really is staggering to look at the list of victims on the website that we referenced, the yeah. EAR-ONS.com. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very, very detailed and it, you, you can see the escalation just by going down this spreadsheet. Right. It's you pretty stunning. Trend. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very disturbing. And if you think about it, it's also so much more disturbing if you are a victim of a home invasion to find that, you know, the TV wasn't taken or the VCR wasn't taken or the PlayStation wasn't taken. But what was taken was like a picture of your grandmother yeah. or your great grandmother's like Hummel dolls or something like that that were on the right. mantle. Exactly. Or maybe some things were smashed, you know, like yeah. I said, a very impulsive kind of. In right. one case, it was the father's cufflinks. Right. And we have um we we have some information about the MO because one thing the killer did to uh, prevent it from being a, uh, I guess, a fair fight, uh, and we'll talk about the profile there later, uh, was to sneak in houses beforehand. And one of the things he would do when he was uh, stalking uh, these people is that he would try to locate any weapons and disarm them, like take the bullets out of the gun. Hide uh, knives, all that kind of stuff. Right, all that. Hide knives where he could know where they are in yeah. case. Because, you know, obviously this guy... Uh, was not a good fighter and yeah. had to plan. And he, he would even stash ropes and stuff underneath cushions on mm-hmm. sofas so we would have easy access and know where they are. So, uh, what does, what, what does our profile of this, uh, what does our profile of this night stalker sound like? What comprises it? Uh, we know that there was some work done by a psychological profiling team, uh, led by 
Leslie D'Ambrosia, and we also know that there were extensive notes taken via survivors of mm-hmm. these incidences. And from there, we've learned a couple of key points. We are certain that it's a white male. And back in 1976, in the 70s, when he was uh, being seen by mm-hmm. people, he was 20 to 30 years old, somewhere in that range. Pretty young. Uh, right now, he would be in his 50s or 60s. Uh, there are a couple outlier descriptions that put him a little bit older in mm-hmm. his 70s now, but I think the average is going to put him closer to his uh, mm-hmm. mid-50s currently. Mm-hmm. He was about 5'8 to 5'11". He was definitely physically fit, had broad shoulders. Yeah, he was able to do all kinds of athletic things when evading police right, and others. jumping fences and stuff. Uh, he frequently wore a ski mask or something else to occlude his face. He either had blue or hazel eyes, according to witnesses. Shoe size nine. And here's an interesting thing. He had type A blood. Uh, how do we know this? Because he had non-secretor bodily fluids. It means they didn't contain enough protein to test for a blood match. Yeah, so that means when semen was found at a scene, you couldn't link it up if you had, a, a let's say, a DNA sample from someone from this guy's blood or someone else's blood. There are several recordings, or at least alleged recordings, of his voice that the authorities have. And on them, he has a what's described as a higher-than-average vocal pitch. And, uh, he, speaking of averages, he was, uh, report, as, this is a, a crass thing to say, but as reported by the survivors, he was, uh, below average in terms of his, uh, genitalia size, noticeably below. And this, uh, and also unable to achieve orgasm at certain parts. And I know, ladies and gentlemen, that we're talking very frankly about some disturbing things, but this is also, this is a surprisingly common trend in, uh, in serial killers or in these sexually motivated mm-hmm. criminals is probably a better way to say it. And so when he took, and then, you know, of course on his profile, he would take small items of personal value to the victims. He also knew a lot about knots. Yeah, there's this one complicated knot called the diamond knot. Uh, there are a couple other words for it. It's it's crazy complicated. I watched a couple videos trying to show you how to make it, and I don't think I could do it, even after being instructed how to do it. Much less on the fly. Oh, yeah, dude, yeah. In, in, under duress like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this may point to some kind of background in the military, perhaps scouting, maritime, like yeah, you said. ranching. Yeah, uh, anywhere where you're constantly tying knots. Um, it also may hint at an interest in bondage mm-hmm. uh, in his personal sexual life. Right. So he made changes to his procedures. Law enforcement began noticing common parts of his commonalities in his MO, like his knot usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he began removing the ligatures or the materials used to tie up his victims. Like sometimes it would be their shoelaces. Sometimes he'd bring his own stuff. Uh, sometimes just from their bodies to the floor nearby and sometimes removing them from the crime scene altogether. This shows us that this killer was watching and attempting to switch things up. The investigators use this to say this man is not um, insane, I guess. He is very calculated in these things. He's learning each time he commits one of these crimes, uh, which is terrifying on one hand. But it would be good for, let's say, a prosecutor uh, who could say this person is of their own mind. They're, you know, he wouldn't go to a mental institution, let's say. He, this person would end up in prison. 
I see what you're saying. And uh, then we know about the background. They thought possible law enforcement or military training, maybe worked in construction or as a contract painter or a handyman. Or you might also hear that he worked in a scrapyard, which would give him access to vehicles because this character used different vehicles at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know probably lived in Sacramento, Goleta, or uh, Irvine, California, at least for a time. And we have a quotation from the article that Matt mentioned earlier by Michelle McNamara uh, in the footsteps of a killer that describes the MO in a little bit more detail. Quote, to zero in on a victim, he often entered into the home beforehand when no one was there, learning the layout, studying family pictures and memorizing names. Victims received hang-up or disturbing phone calls before and after they were attacked. He disabled porch lights and unlocked windows. He emptied bullets from guns. He hid shoelaces or rope under cushions to use his ligatures. These maneuvers gave him a crucial advantage because when you woke from a deep sleep to the blinding flashlight and ski-masked presence, he was always a stranger to you, but you were not to him. Ugh, that paints a creepy picture of this man. And, of course, along the way, law enforcement, investigators, professional and amateur alike, have been attempting to find specific suspects in these crimes. You will find mentions of people who have already been largely disproven as possible suspects. Joe Alsip, Brett Glaspie, Paul Cornfed Schneider, which is an interesting middle name at the very least, or an interesting nickname. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys ended up having an alibi or something that basically discounted them from right. being uh, the person. Right. And then there are some other suspects, like uh, you'll hear mentioned on forums sometimes. Uh, John uh, Famolaro, the cold storage killer. He's currently on California's death row for the murder of uh, Denise Huber. He would have been 25 or 26 at the time of these crimes. During the mid-70s, he worked as a contractor and a house painter. Yeah, this guy is a little disturbing. He kept the body in a freezer on his property, like a standalone Mm -hmm. freezer. Mm -hmm. Just kept the body there for, I think, three years before it was discovered. And I don't know, that that kind of thing, almost keeping a trophy on your property of a Mm -hmm. person that you murdered, that's... Mm -hmm. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Another potential suspect was a gentleman by the name of Kevin Lee Gardner. According to an L.A. Times article, Gardner um, was arrested for the rape of a woman with multiple sclerosis who employed his girlfriend as a nurse. Uh, And this took place in 1990. And Gardner was 35 at the time, which meant that he would have been in his mid to late 20s around the time uh, of the East Area Rapist original Night Stalker crimes. Another gentleman brought up frequently in these forums is Glenn Edward Rogers. He's known as the Cross County Killer. Uh, he was, I think he's currently on death row in California. He, he murdered Tina Marie Cribs. Like reports of the original Night Stalker, uh, this man was blonde. He was reported to live in the Southern California area at the time of the attacks of the original Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, he was, he was known as like, I forget the actual name, but he was like the good looking, killer or whatever, he would go to bars and just pick up women mm. and take them back to a hotel or something. And then you'd find a, a dead woman in a bathtub. Right. So this leads us to our conclusions. We should say at this point, the Visalia ransacker has in no way been uh, have concretely connected to the Night Stalker East Area Rapist and none of the specific suspects we meet or we've met in the course of the show have been again concretely connected. This guy, uh, got really lucky. And also, did you read the, uh, poetry that he sent in to the Sacramento Bee? I did. I already downloaded it for the video. I'm going through it. It's garbage. It's so <laughs> terrible. 
It's like not, it's, it's not well written. Not even Charlie Manson's song level. Right. Good. Yeah. No, no like it, we could take someone who didn't speak English, hand them a picture with the letters of the alphabet on it. You were really laying into this guy. And then give them a, give that person a pen and whatever letters they randomly drew would still be just far superior aesthetically. Oh, you're talking about the excitements cave. Yeah, you can look it up if you wish, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, if you want to waste your time. Uh, so this leads us to our thing. What happened to this killer, guys? He's a ghost. Yeah, he's a ghost. We, we don't know where he is, if he's alive. We don't know any of these things. So let's walk through what could have happened. Well, he could have been caught. Okay. Could have been arrested for something unrelated. I mean, this was clearly an individual that had no qualms about breaking the law. So there are numerous mm-hmm. ways. Um, although, you know, did seem cautious, relatively speaking. Right. To have gotten away with it for that long. So I'm maybe not leaning towards this one. Could have been sitting in a jail cell somewhere. California. This is true. Might not have had a sample of his DNA taken upon being incarcerated. Mm, okay. So the DOJ in California um, have different rules about DNA sample collection. Yeah, all, all, all of this, there are rules revolving around the year that the felony was booked, mm-hmm. you know, when the crime was actually committed. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so... In the state of California, these these rules have changed over the years. So depending on when, if he was arrested and is in the the correction system in California, he may not have had a you know a sample of his DNA taken. So mm. if he's in there for a long time, he's got a life sentence for something else that's unrelated. Then maybe he's just sitting there. It's it's a possibility. It's quite possible. Then there's uh, the idea that he could have been murdered during an attempted crime. Right the profiling team that was working with Uncle Sam said uh, they, they had a recommendation to check out any prowling cases that or you know, attempted peeping Tom break in stuff that resulted in the death of a lone male prowler, especially around that uh, that time. We should say the last the last contact that the original Night Stalker has provably had with a member of the public was in 1991, a phone call to, uh, a phone call to a victim. So he also could have died of an unrelated condition. I mean, despite the horrific things Richard Ramirez did when he was caught, which is a hell of a story in itself and put on death row, um, the, uh, lymphoma got to him before justice did. Uh, so, you know, we live in a world full of accident and danger around every corner don't be frightened, but if you're driving right now, just remember, only thing protecting you from those cars hurtling toward you are some lines painted on the road that we all pretend are real. And your prowess and in being prowess. able to not get in a crash. Right. So even to the most stable, most capable people, car accidents can happen. Heart attacks could happen. People are struck by lightning. A meteorite might hit you. I mean, you're more likely to win the lottery, but a meteorite might hit you and uh, just. And here is the most terrifying. He could be free. He could be living with a family somewhere just as a dad, as a husband to somebody, maybe alone. Mm. Maybe he frequents a bookstore nearby somewhere. Maybe he likes podcasts. In that case, we should note that the investigation continues. In November of 2015, the FBI noted that they are still on it, and that means that 
as we said, the killer, if alive, could be listening now to this show. Uh, well, one thing a lot of serial killers have uh, in common is that they're crazy narcissists. Oh, yeah. They make the mistake that a lot of um, relatively unintelligent people make, which is where they assume that they're interesting. And this, like, if I, I know that, it, I know that this individual is probably not listening to our show now. However, given the um, rampant narcissism that a lot of serial killers have, uh, I'm, I'm sure that many go back, especially if they feel like they've gotten away, to listen to this kind of stuff and, and listen to people try to figure out who they are. Sure. Like BTK did that, the bind, torture, kill, killer Dennis Radar. I'm sure he read everything written about himself. Pretty sure Ted Cruz listens to stuff about the Zodiac Killer all the time. <laughs> also true. Did you get, yeah, wait, what is the, okay, can you explain that one to I'm me? I'm completely kidding. Ted Cruz is not the Zodiac Killer, but it's a, or is he? It's an entertaining <laughs> meme that has gone around. That is pretty awful if you think about it. Um, yeah. To accuse someone of that. Uh, Larry Wilmore did a great bit when he did the opening for the White House Correspondence Center where he did a whole thing where it's like, who would do a thing like that? Except the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. And so with that, we will end our story for now on the original Night Stalker. Matt, uh, what should people do if they want to learn more? If you want to continue down this rabbit hole, there are a ton of places you can go. Uh, one of them is the L.A. Magazine. There are a ton of articles there to... uh Gosh, to the subreddits that we talked about, Unresolved Mysteries. If you want to pick up a physical book and read it, which I would recommend, uh, check out Sudden Terror by Larry Crompton, someone who actually had some skin in the game in investigating this person. Uh, you can also check out Hunting a Psychopath by Richard Shelby. Again, two great sources of just more information than you might actually want. And if you have more information you'd like to share with your fellow listeners, uh, drop a line with any recommended reading that comes up. It's the end of the show, guys, and that means we have time for just one more thing. Shout out corners. For our first shout out today, uh, we would like to shout out Sergeant Blue. Which is who, an assumed name. Says you. Uh, who listens to the show before going to work at a State Department of Children and Families. He suggested we look into the Toynbee tiles, as well as the pervasive belief in an old conspiracy that Child Protective Services sometimes removes children from homes for profit rather than the safety of the child. Yeah, that's a dark one. Uh, in the email that the sergeant sent, he was saying that he's never seen any evidence of it in his workings, but every, he said, like he said, per pervasive. People just believe it, and maybe it's just because of... People who have to deal with child prote protective services sometimes are in a situation that maybe leads them to see authorities in a bad light. Sure. Perhaps. Our next shout out goes out to Claire from Calgary, Canada. She uh, said some really encouraging words. So thank you so much for that. I'm going to read this quote, you guys, because I, th I think it's worth it. She said, I never want to stop hearing three cool dudes having a discussion about witchcraft, ghosts or demonic possession. That's really nice. I'll take it. Who are these guys she's talking about? I have no idea who they are. Sound like a couple of stooges. <laughs> yeah, a couple of jabronis. She also suggested that we make a show focused on the Bilderberg group. 
which we've we've done some shows around them and we've mentioned them a lot. Have we done an audio uh, episode? I don't on think there? so. Maybe we mm. should do that. That's a great idea. Thank you for the suggestion, Claire from Calgary. Our third shout out today goes to Alan at Bad Motor Finger. Uh and the the O's in motor are are zeros if you're looking him up on Twitter. Uh and uh give us a random shout out. Uh so we, you know, we were thinking like, what's just something equally unpredictable and random that we could say? So we'll, we'll take a different shot. Uh, we can each go around the room. I guess I would point out that Dr. Awkward is a palindrome. That's really great. Dr. Octopus is my favorite, uh, Spider-Man villain. <laughs> Dr. Octopus is a great villain. Dr. Bronner's magic soap is my favorite of the peppermint scented soaps. It's a good one. Uh, well, how do you pronounce it? Cast, cast style soap? There's a, um, it's a wind with a name, the Fremantle Doctor, uh, which I think is such a cool name for a wind, you know? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you could do that. How does that wind have a cooler name than us? I don't, Noel's pretty good. Oh. Agreed. Oh, Did you see we got a listener mail? I think it's on Facebook though. So they mentioned you as K-N-O-L-L. Yeah, I get that sometimes. The grassy, the grassy one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's a, that's a random enough response, I think, to bad motor finger. We have one last thing that we want to tell people about, and we want you to check this out on our social media, our Twitter and our Facebook, where we're conspiracy stuff. We got a fascinating package last week earlier. Yeah, we did. So do you guys remember that conversation? Where we were talking about, I'm speaking to you, by the way, not you, Noel, not you, Ben, but to you. Uh, the conversation we had about Ben Bucks and we were going to start our own currency. Mm. We, we talked about it. We've been floating this idea for a minute. Mm-hmm. We've been floating our currency. I've, it's been a, a personal dream of mine for, for a while, uh, although it was slow in upkeep and, uh, the, you know, when we when I first proposed the idea, I thought you guys were going to just tell me to shut up, but you got behind it, and oh, someone yeah. else did too. So Leanne took it upon herself to like design and print out and send us mm-hmm. via actual mail mm-hmm. some Ben Bucks in different denominations. Right? Yeah, we got a one, a five, a, a seven point. Seven point five, a ten and five ones, a ten and five ones, and uh, also the plates to uh, make more of these. Uh, Noel and Matt uh, got promoted to uh, various high government governmental mm-hmm. positions. Uh, finally, finally, right? I I don't think I actually have a have a position there, but you know what? I'll take it. And in all seriousness, this was uh this was such a cool thing to send. So we'll put we'll post some pictures if you want to check it out. And if you have an idea for starting your own currency, we'd also like to hear it. Uh I I spent some time like uh like thinking of uh Matt and Noel money too. I mean Matt money, obviously. Obviously. Obviously writes itself. Noel Nichols. Noel Nichols. Just Nichols? <laughs> That's all I need. Okay. I pay for everything in nickels. It's true. I've seen it. It's weird. That's what's in the backpack. <laughs> just nickels? I bet you thought it was a laptop. No, you know, just I nickels. always wondered why it was so loud. <laughs> uh, and that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now.